Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at QuestNatureTours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. BeautioBooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 912, featuring birding bulletins, backyard birds and Christmas lights, and in the news, bats and batteries. And beginning with a Way Out West raptor-infused audio postcard from our friend Haley Perez. Hi, everyone. This is Haley from San Diego. I am listening to a pair of red-shouldered hawks from my backyard. They've been calling back and forth to each other all morning. This pair has been hanging around our house for quite some time, and I get to see them almost every day. They're really beautiful one of my favorite kinds of hawks and I just love the sound that they make happy birding happy birding to you Haley thank you so much and by the way we love getting audio postcards easy to do just take your smartphone or a little recorder of some sort go out where you're looking at birds and try to get a little bit of sound from the birds if you can or just give a description of what you're seeing and just uh, mail me the file, email. Just send it to ray at talkingbirds.com. If you need any help with that, um, let us know, and we are standing by to assist. Ray at talkingbirds.com is the email address. About the bats, on November 29th, the Biden administration declared the northern long-eared bat endangered in a last-ditch effort to save a species driven to the brink of extinction By the fungal disease known as white nose syndrome, the listing means that federal agencies must consult with the Fish and Wildlife Service to be sure projects that they fund or authorize, like timber harvests, prescribed fires, and highway construction, for example, do not jeopardize the northern long-eared bat's existence. Also, there's some good, potentially good news for bats. And now back to birds... It's our mystery bird. This is a preview of our contest coming up in uh, just a little bit. And a reminder that something we started a few weeks ago and continuing into the first week of February, every mystery bird contest winner will be entered into a drawing for a beautiful prize from our friends at Vortex Optics. It's an 8x42 Vortex Viper binocular. So we'll show some love to the randomly chosen winner on our closest to Valentine's Day show on February 12th. So a little extra thing for our mystery bird contest. Our bird this morning is a large seagoing species of coastal waters wintering in most North American coastal waters, breeding in northern Canada and Alaska. It's related to mergansers and mallards and teals and gadwalls, and it dives for food like clams and mussels. The male is almost entirely black. Around the eyes, it shows an inverted comma-shaped white patch. The bill is black at its bulging base with reddish sides and an orange tip. The female is pretty much a uniform dark brownish with a dark gray bill. 
A description of the sound of our mystery bird and beautiful prizes include a $15 certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, and a month's supply of crunchy and delicious Mary's Gone Crackers, Super Seed Crackers. All on our mystery bird contest and maybe a bonus prize, too, if we have time for that uh, this morning. Uh, it's that time of year to make sure the coffee lovers on your gift list get some wonderful coffee for the holidays and in the new year. So we're happy to report that for a limited time, you can enjoy a 30% discount on an assorted case of 12 12-ounce bags of delicious Birds and Beans coffee. Birds and Beans is certified Smithsonian bird-friendly coffee and pays special attention to the way coffee farming affects people and farms and forests and birds. It's a perfect bird-friendly gift for the holiday season. Order now before the the offer ends. Just go to birdsandbeanscoffee.com to take advantage of the special offer. That address again is birdsandbeanscoffee.com. We'd like to offer royal salutes, and this is one right now to more Talking Birds ambassadors helping us get the word out about birds and conservation. And thank you to a couple of Massachusetts listeners today, Chris S. from Plainfield, Massachusetts. He says, glad you're here. Love snow geese and tracking them on the eastern shore. Thank you, Chris. And thank you to Jim Joyce from Woburn, Massachusetts. Jim says, I'm the co-founder of the Friends of Horn Pond group on Facebook, dedicated to the conservation and preservation of the Horn Pond Conservation Area in Woburn. Jim is doing some wonderful work there. We'll talk about that some more. Uh, He sent us another note uh, just yesterday, I think, about some of the work they're doing. So we want to highlight that, and we'll do so uh, very shortly. So thank you, Jim for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And here's another ambassador talking about why she became one. My name is Rochelle Backer, and I live in Arlington, Tennessee. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I love to talk to other people about birding, and I wanted to introduce them to Ray Brown's Talking Birds. I struck up a conversation with a gentleman while looking at bird baths. He started sharing stories about his hummingbirds. I could tell he was really excited about birds, so I told him about the show and handed him a couple cards. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family at TalkinBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. And thank you, Rachel. Well, Talkin' Birds listeners, it's a busy time of year, but if you can spare a couple of minutes, you could become a Talkin' Birds ambassador and think you have a fun time doing it. That's what our ambassadors tell us. TalkinBirds.com is the place via the Get Involved tab. One other quick note for current Talking Birds ambassadors. Check your email box or maybe your spam or junk folders for a special note from our ambassador-in-chief, Freya McGregor. It's about something that we think is pretty cool. Still to come today, we'll talk with two birding superstars, Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson, about the December edition of their birding community e-bulletin. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a Let's Ask Mike Live segment about the effect on birds if any, of putting Christmas lights on your outdoor trees and bushes. And up next, a fearsome freeloader is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. When is a hunter also a parasite? Answer, 
when its name is Stercorarius parasiticus, or the parasitic Jaeger, a gall relative and a relentless persecutor and tormentor of small gulls and terns, chasing them until they drop their food and then swooping down to catch the morsel in midair. This only works on about a quarter of the attempts, though, so this avian kleptoparasite then has to find its own food. But it seems to work out, since the parasitic Jaeger outnumbers all other Jaeger species around the world. Light-form adult parasitic Jaegers have a brown back and mainly white underparts. In the dark form, they're mostly dark brown with a dark cap, and there's an intermediate phase with pale underparts. The wings are long and pointed, and the tail is diamond-shaped with elongated central tail feathers. It's generally silent at sea, though it will make this shrill sound, which gulls and terns may hear as drop it. The parasitic Jaeger, which breeds along the coast of Alaska and in northern Canada and winters in warm waters from the Carolinas and California down into Mexico, the West Indies and points south, is a member of the Skua family. Since that word sounds like the name of a long spike used to hold meat in place while it cooks, right, a skewer, our friend Sue McGrath suggests that a group of these birds should be called a shish kebab of skewers. <coughs> the parasitic Jaeger, also known as the parasitic skewa or the arctic skewa, Stercorarius parasitica, is today's talking birds. Featured feathered friend. And welcome again, welcome again to our show number 912. We're about to welcome a couple of gentlemen who fall into that group of folks who have forgotten more about birds than most of us will ever dream of knowing. And we're about to introduce them right now. We have one of them connected to Zoom and are attempting to reconnect <laughs> the other. Wayne Peterson is director of the Massachusetts Important Bird Areas Program at Mass Audubon and Christmas Bird Count Regional Editor for National Audubon. He's led birding trips around the world. Paul Basich has been birding most of his life. He's led many birding trips, including to Cuba. He served as editor of the American Birding Association's Birding Magazine served as ABA's Director of Conservation Policy, among many other things. And together they publish a marvelous monthly electronic newsletter called the Birding Community E-Bulletin, which offers regular features about birds and birding and bird conservation. And uh, at least one of them is here with us right now to talk about the newly released December issue, and that would be Paul Basich. Good morning, morning, Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good to have you with us. Um, are we getting a little feedback here? I'm not sure. We'll keep on and, and see how we do. Uh, Wayne Peterson was with us just moment, moments ago and uh, somehow has uh, drifted away from Zoom world. So we're attempting to uh, reconnect him. So we'll focus on, uh, on on you, Paul, and I think you can handle it here. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I hope I can pinch it for, uh, for Wayne. Yes, thank I, you. I think you can. And speaking of uh, something rare, Rarity Focus is one of the regular features of the birding community uh, e-bulletin. And, and this week, your, your, your bird is the fan-tailed warbler. 
Yes, each with each monthly edition, we focus on a bird that uh, was particularly interesting in terms of a rarity in North America. And uh, this last month, uh, November, there were two fantail warblers. This is a species endemic to Mexico and northern Central America. Hmm. And there have been about a dozen records historically in uh, Arizona and one or two in Texas and New Mexico, respectively. And last month, uh, there were two of them that actually appeared in uh, Arizona, one in the Phoenix area and one in the Tucson area. The Phoenix fantail warbler was there about two or three days, but the uh, one in the Tucson area stayed almost two weeks. Wow. It just departed a few days ago, and it was seen and photographed by many people. Mm -hmm. What's interesting in particular, Ray, is the species is... um, Migratory, with the northern population being migratory, the northern population in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And most of the records that we've seen in the U.S. have been in May. And these these have been assumed to be migratory overshoots. They've gone mm-hmm. farther north than they intended. Well, we're scratching our heads wondering why these two guys uh, appeared in, uh, so late in the season. And we're still scratching our heads, and it's really very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Next thing on your list here, and all these regular features, is your IBA news. And this one is about an Izembic win. Like, it sounds like poetry, an Izembic uh, pentameter. That's not, a, that's not it at all, though. This is a, a national wildlife yes, it's refuge. Izembic. Izembic. is a wonderful refuge uh, on, on the base of the Aleutians in Alaska. It's on the Alaska Peninsula. And it is both a national wildlife refuge and a wilderness area. Mm-hmm. And for many years, decades, I'd say, it has been it's been contentious because there are two villages on either side of Eisenbeck that want connections, and they can't get connections unless they go through the refuge. Mm-hmm. And because it's a wilderness area, that's forbidden. Anyhow, uh, the Eisenbeck is a very important area for. Pacific plant uh, uh, feeding on um, eel grass, uh, emperor geese, stellar's eider, and lots of other swans and, and mm-hmm. birds of migration, waterfowl in particular. So what happened this last month is that once again, this has gone back and forth like a ping pong ball. Uh, the uh, ball is in the court of uh, the courts again, and we're going to see in the uh, uh, the twelfth of this of this month, uh, the case will be heard yet again, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, uh, a lot of the conservationists and bird conservationists want to retain the integrity of the refuge in the wilderness area. Mm-hmm. And if we lose this one, it may put the entire issue of wilderness being um, remote and and uh, isolated from human impression. Mm-hmm. It may put the entire concept in in jeopardy. So people are watching both in terms of birds and in terms of the status of uh, what wilderness should be. And you say on here, too, on your on, on the bulletin, you'll report on the continuing controversy in the coming months. I think we have Wayne uh, on the phone here. If we couldn't get him on Zoom, are you there, Wayne? I am, Ray, yes, and I'm sorry for the... Uh the issue there. I know I you I weren't know you weren't happy with your makeup this morning. I don't know if that played into it or not, but uh, it always does. You know, 
<laughs> it's that reflection off the, the high forehead. We're, g- <laughs> We're glad to have you on the phone in any Thank case. You. And uh, I wanted to just ask you quickly about this new Western Hemisphere Shorebird Reserve Network Toolkit. What, what is this about? Well, it basically is a descriptor um, for people either who are interested in or potentially involved with possibly establishing new wizard sites. In other words, it provides all of the the elements that are required uh, in terms of both the characteristics and then some strategies for getting new sites online. In other words, there's a, a fairly significant political component to establishing a lot of these uh, wizard sites, these, these Western Hemisphere shorebird sites. Um, because in many cases, you know, you're dealing with other governments. You're, you're not, they're not necessarily in North America. Mm-hmm. And in which case, it, in some cases, it may actually involve policy or it may potentially impact the, whatever the present use is of these sites. So the toolkit is a way to sort of focus in and drill down on, on what's involved and the history of the program, but also specifically provide some guidance for the groups that are working to establish new wizard sites. All right. We uh, we have a bunch of other topics here. We'll just kind of buzz through them here to point out uh, what's on there. And we're certainly talking about avian flu, particularly with Peru and pelicans there. And then waterfowl numbers, really some interesting information about that. We hear about waterfowl doing well compared with other birds, but it seems to be a little more uh, complicated um, than that. But, Wayne, let me skip ahead to uh, the Christmas bird count, which you're certainly involved in. Give us a just a quick uh, thumbnail, if you could, on your well, tip it, of the month a, here. It, it, it's coming up for this current Christmas bird count season. Um, the 14th of December through the 5th of January is the window when um, Christmas bird counts can be conducted and then ultimately submitted and edited and the results finally published. So what I would recommend for anybody who is interested in either finding out more about the Christmas bird count or arguably participating um, is to go to National Audubon's ChristmasBirdCount.org. That'll get you there. And it will give you essentially, uh, you know, when you were talking about the the workbook-type arrangement for Wizard, it does the same thing for the Christmas bird count. In other words, it gives you all the information that somebody needs to know, whether they're you know, veterans or first-timers, and it will sort of take you step-by-step through the steps that are required in order to get yourself registered on account and in touch with whoever the compiler is, and then the compiler of each one of the individual Christmas counts works with the participants for that season and ensures that they get teamed up with other people or people that maybe have more experience than they do or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after the uh, the count day is over... There's a compilation which is accomplished in various ways, and I won't go into all the details there. But the bottom line is that the finalized um, data from from the Christmas count for that particular year or in that particular circle is ultimately submitted to National Audubon's Christmas Bird Count website, Mm -hmm. where it's then um, scrutinized, edited, comments added, species deleted on an as-need basis if for whatever the reason there's some question about either the number of individuals or the actual species. And then it comes to me at some point, so in the case of the, the New England region where I'm the regional compiler, 
I have to go through each one of the New England Christmas bird counts, um, sort of with a microscope, as it were. And then if there are um, no problems, I check it off as done and so on. And then at the end of the season, the Christmas bird count season, I have to pull together sort of a summary compilation so that for all over the country and Canada and even some areas in Central America where Christmas bird counts are conducted, there are regional editors who do the same thing that I do. And what we do at the end of the the period is to submit our summaries to Jeff LeBaron, who heads up the whole Christmas bird count program for National Audubon. And it's all in the... Together, a national summary of of this year's count. Indeed, and all in the name of um, citizen science, ultimately. Well, thank you for that. One of the the oldest running citizen science projects since 1900. It It, was first established. Yep. Indeed. Uh, The Bullen also has some great holiday gifts. I'll just leave it at that. There's lots of great stuff that you recommend on there. And uh, we are so running out of time. I'll give uh, Paul the last word, Paul, just to... Uh, tell folks how to connect and get the uh, Birding Community e-bullet. Well, the easiest way, I could I could read to you the long URL, but I won't do that. <laughs> people, people should Google Birding Community e-bulletin. It comes right up. Look at any of the issues there. Go to the end of any of the issues, and it'll provide the URL where you can sign up to get our free Birding Community e-bulletin on a monthly basis. All right. And we'll also add it to our uh, website and probably our Facebook page just to kind of add a little uh, extra info to that. Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson in the Birding Community e-bulletin. Paul and Wayne, thank you so much. Thank you, Ray. All right. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight, You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. We always urge you to call as early as possible on the Mystery Bird Contest. And that kind of goes double for today. We are really uh, pretty late here. So give us a call as soon as you can if you want to try to identify that bird or tell us what it is in exchange for which you'll win beautiful prizes, including a $15 Beauty of Books gift certificate and a month supply of crunchy and delicious Mary Mary's Gone Crackers, Super Seed Crackers. And you'll be entered in the drawing if you win of the contest here. You'll be entered in the drawing for a beautiful binocular from Vortex Optics, 8x42 Vortex Viper binocular. 781-837-4900 is the number. That would be 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird, a large seagoing species of coastal waters, wintering in most North American coastal waters and breeding in northern Canada and Alaska, related to mergansers and mallards, etc. It dives for food like clams and mussels, 
The male, almost entirely black around the eyes, it shows an inverted comma-shaped white patch, kind of a distinctive identifying feature there on our Mystery Bird Contest. Up next, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us to Quest for the Quetzal in Costa Rica or our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more, guaranteed. Just before we fire up the mic music, here's something else from Quest Nature Tours. In 2023, you can join them in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil. And their website again is questnaturetours.com. We're approaching the Christmas season, and you may have noticed the Christmas lights on various places like trees and bushes in front of folks' homes. question is, is that a problem? For birds, our Freya McGregor, in fact, wanted to know about that. And, of course, she consulted Mike O'Connor, who joins us here on the phone here. Good morning, Mike. Fire up the mic music. I like that. You you like that phrasing there? We can use that on a regular (laughs) thing, if you like. Fire up the mic. Mike, hey uh, there, Freya. Yeah, um, yeah about your, your Christmas lights, uh, did you have more to add? Or did I no, I was just going to say, she, Freya wrote this note to you, and she was just wondering about birds and Christmas lights on bushes and hedges and whatnot, and netting and all that. She wondered if it's bothersome to birds or, or harmful to them. Yeah, I would say in, in, in this case, this time of year, the extra lighting you put on your house, I mean, lights are never good for birds at night, but in this case, it's not that big a deal. Most of the lights are around neighborhoods where there's plenty of lights anyways. I mean, I, I, I'm cheap. I got like one light bulb in my house going, but the guy next door looks like an airport. So birds are used to us in this case, and it's, if it was migration season, perhaps, but now the birds have settled down. And I know Freya was concerned, what, does it bother the roosting birds? Mm. Probably not, because if you put some lights out on a, in a bush and it bothers the birds it's roosting they're roosting they'll just go to a different bush it's not again like during the nesting season where if you lit up the bush the birds have their nests in there and they can't readily move it then it'd be a problem but this time of year i wouldn't worry about it and i know they have these netting lights that you, you just kind of push over your bushes these big nets but i've looked at those and then that's a huge the birds would easily move through those so Frey, in this case I, w- I wouldn't worry too much about it. What I would point out is a couple of things that um, that when you take it light, not so much your lights, but if you've got that plastic garland and all those things, be careful with that because that tends to d- fall apart, and then you've got the plastic. I know my wife puts some stuff out, and I have to sweep up the plastic shards, not really shards, but pieces of 
plastic garland. You don't want to get that in the ecosystem, and you don't want the birds to find it and build a nest with it because that doesn't work out for them. The nests tend to fall apart. And while we're, ta- while we're talking about holidays, it's, uh, fireworks are bad, so there's one that you, you might want to avoid. And those fake webs you put on the, net, on the trees at Halloween, birds will get caught in those. So those things are bad, but the lights, you're okay with that. Right? Right. Next time I'll ask you if your light bulb dims when your neighbor puts their Christmas lights on. <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> All right, thank you, Mike. You got it. Talk right. to you next week. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, and we're back to the Mystery Bird Contest uh, with very little time to go, but we have a we're trying to decide which call we're going to. Not sure what, what loud mystery bird. We have uh, Jennifer in Brockton. Jennifer in Brockton, Massachusetts. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, what do you think, uh, Jennifer, uh, on the uh, on the mystery bird there? Is it a white wing scoter? White wing scoter. You are absolutely right. You sounded pretty confident, and for good reason. Congratulations, uh, uh, Jennifer. You are correct. Thank you. I wish we had time for our bonus question, but I I don't think we do. But maybe uh, next time, but we'll send you those beautiful prizes if you'll just stay on the line there. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Correctly identifying the white-winged scoter as our mystery bird. Next week, we'll have a guest from the world-famous Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Watch our Facebook page and website for details. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.